Sports Talk. Today is Sunday, October 20th. Before we get started, here are a few reminders. We would love to hear from you, and here are several ways to weigh in. Call us at 646-716-5564, or join us in the chat room by listening online at blogtalkradio.com forward slash Tarvino, or follow us on Twitter at Way in Sports. Now here's your host, Brian Tarvin, and co-host Trey Patterson. Let's weigh in. Thank you, Michelle, for the intro, and welcome, everyone, to Weigh In Sports Talk. It has been one crazy weekend, and let the, the BCS controversy begin, Trey. It didn't take long. The first standings comes out, and and all of a sudden, we have a problem. I mean, Oregon, three instead of two. Florida State moved up. I'm not surprised by this. Are you, Trey? No, not at all. I mean, this makes sense for this time in the year. Uh, but what we were just talking about in the chat room before we came on is, you know, this is going to be a battle all year long, and those games are going to matter. I expect next week if Oregon and Florida State win, Oregon will jump them into two in the BCS because UCLA is a better opponent than NC State. And then the next week, Carbon is Miami for Florida State. So this could be a hopscotch game to the very end. Here's my advice for everyone watching the BCS. Let's wait about six weeks and then tune in because it's probably going to change. And how many times have we seen it, Trey? The first one's come out, people are arguing about it, and their team's not even anywhere to be found uh, when it really matters. So Oregon fans that are upset right now, don't worry about the BCS standings. Worry about your opponents because, Trey, if, any, if this season, the rest of it, is any indication of what it's going to be like, my God, this weekend just blew my mind with all the games. I mean, how many upsets were there? Against ranked teams? Uh, there, there are four major upsets. I mean, there were more, but I would call four major. Um, but, yeah, I mean, it was a crazy week for sure. And, you know, if you recall the end of last year, I mean, when we thought they were going to have a Kansas State-Oregon game, they both lost, and they both did not play in the game. So uh, they lost to very weak opponents, you know, like some could argue. So, Tarvin, this is long from over for any of these teams. I mean, Heck, Tarvin, and we could end up having a Baylor-Missouri game. You never know, man. This is just crazy college football time. And later we'll talk about the Auburn Tigers. I mean, Trey, they moved up to their number 11 in the BCS polls. I don't think anybody would have believed that, would they? You would have told them before the season started that Auburn would be 11 when the initial BCS standings come out. I don't think anybody would have believed that too much. No, I think Auburn and Missouri have to be the surprises in the SEC for sure. Uh, nobody would expect it that at this point in the season there's three teams with legitimate shots to win the SEC. And, you know, of course Alabama would have been an easy prediction, but I don't think Missouri and Auburn would have been up there. <laughs> yeah, I think I might have had Alabama at number one at this time. And it's funny, all of the chaos that happened Saturday and, and Friday night, Louisville going down, Alabama wins by 80 points. I mean, no drama there in Tuscaloosa, right? Yeah, not really. It was a pretty easy game for the Tide, but Arkansas has a lot of issues to figure out. Yeah, Paul Ewing, Paul Ewing and I are the only ones that I know that had Auburn. Um, I don't know if he had them six and one at this time like I did, but he had them winning eight or nine games, and and people were looking crazy at Paul when he predicted that preseason. So kudos to to Paul for that one. And, Trey, I still have to go back to my preseason prediction when I picked Auburn to beat A&M and Paul and Jonathan, and you were making fun of me. Well, you know, I think in the preseason, I think I, I think I had every right to make fun of you for that. Auburn's clearly improved, though. Yeah, they're better. But, hey, 
it's not over yet. I mean, you got to still keep winning in front of you. If that's if that shows you anything, you overlook anybody. And I, we'll talk about the teams that did in a few minutes when we get into our college football breakdown. It's just the SEC conference is, is deeper now, and you can't overlook people. If you're in the Pac-12, you can't overlook anyone. It's just one of these years where I, I just think we're going to have a lot of shakeup before long. But and we'll talk about Missouri, too. I mean, I'm not shocked at this win against Florida, but are they a pretender or a contender? We'll get into that. The trade, the World Series is set. I mean, I don't know about you, but I haven't watched much baseball since the Braves went out. And we have the Boston Red Sox against the St. Louis Cardinals. Do you think this will be a highly viewed World Series? We're not going to spend much time on it tonight, but tell us your thoughts on it real quick. Well, I think it'll be really well viewed. I mean, not highly viewed as in you know, numbers of all time. I mean, you know, probably not, but, you know, the Boston market's big. The St. Louis market's big. Uh, I mean, it's going to be a good World Series. I mean, Carmen, I mean, I'll go ahead and tell you, my prediction is Cardinals in seven. I see this game going, uh, Boston win game six, and uh, forces the game seven, but the Cardinals win. I like Ellen Craig coming back into this into this game or into this series, and I think his presence is going to be a huge for the Cardinals. Well, who has home field advantage in this one? The American League, Boston, since they won the All-Star game, correct? The American League, they get home field advantage. That's right. I have Boston in five games in the World Series. What are your predictions? Uh, well, like, different than I just gave you, or? Well, what, what did you say? You cut out on St. Louis. St. Louis in seven. Okay. Boston in five. I don't think any way offensively St. Louis can, can outscore Boston. Boston beat the best team that was in there in Detroit. And Trey, this is going to be a very short, boring series. Um, so I hope you're wrong in this one. The, the quicker it's over, the better because everybody right now is tuned into football. And, and right now we have the Colts and Broncos on. It's a 7-3 to three game. Denver's up in the first quarter. But, Trey, let's move on into our NFL and and, uh, and see what we can do. We need to save as much time tonight as we can for the college football discussion. So take us off to number five. Well, the Rams and the Panthers. This game was a Panthers easy win. The one thing I did want to mention, Tarvin, is I don't know if you guys – saw this game or was watching it closely, I thought the Sam Bradford hit was dirty. Um, he went out, looks like a pretty serious injury. But not only was he hit late and dirty, Tarvin, I really had a problem with was the Panthers player putting his hands up and, and congratulating himself for hitting him out of bounds and maybe ending Bradford's season. I thought that was very classless on the Ooh. Panthers' part. I don't think that was a dirty hit, Trey. The guy was falling out of bounds, and it wasn't a vicious hit by no means. He got up and actually tried to to see if Bradford was okay, and then the guy went crazy on the sidelines. Tell me if I'm wrong, but I just yeah, I didn't you're, see a dirty hit. You're wrong, buddy. Because uh, I didn't he see a dirty hit about two yards out of, out of bounds. He puts both his hands in the air and starts patting himself on the back like, yeah, yeah, I got him. So I have a problem with that, man. This dirty well, hit was way out of bounds. Well, if anybody's out there that wants to to, to weigh in on this topic, 646-716-5564, and Trey, anybody that makes a, a play on a quarterback and, and stops him kind of gets up and does a little cheer. But it looks like to me he was trying to go back and actually make sure Bradford was okay, and then the roid rage came out. I mean, I mean the dirty play to me was, was uh, St. Louis the entire game. I mean, they were drawing back at each other, but a fight broke out and a St. Louis player got ejected from the game, and it just seemed after that 
things got chippy, but I just didn't see anything dirty, and I could be wrong. I mean, I'm not saying I'm 100% well, right, but I got ejected after wrong. he got ejected because of that guy's hit and because he was celebrating after he hurt Bradford. Uh, that's what he got ejected for. So earlier in the game, there was it was in the oh, third the quarter where, where okay, yeah, yeah sorry, but, yeah. I think that's oh, yeah, that was, started. That was out of line. What, what what was dirty on Bradford though, if you don't mind me asking? Well, it was out of bounds. Uh, he hit him at the ankles when he was already out of bounds, uh, and then he celebrated afterwards. I think that's I think that's unsportsmanlike. Okay. Well, I did I didn't see that. I'll go back and and watch it again and see if I can if I can see what you're seeing. But I'm not saying you're wrong. I just didn't see anything. It warranted, you know, the guy coming off the sideline. But it is the quarterback. He he thought it was dirty. The lineman did, obviously, and he wanted to protect his quarterback. So Bradford could be out for the year, right? Yeah, we haven't we haven't seen it yet. But I mean, he's he, he looked pretty bad. Um, I just you know you don't like to see anybody celebrating after after somebody gets seriously hurt. That's just not the way you know any sport should be played. So I think that guy should be right. suspended. So all right, people in the chat room right now, let me know. If that was a dirty, if that was a dirty hit, Carolina put on Bradford out of bounds. But the story to this game was it was early. Trey, it was a pick six. Uh, St. Louis got off to a bad start, and they just couldn't rebound after that. The Carolina defense played very well today. Again, something that surprised me the entire season. But Carolina looks like they could be on a small roll, Trey, and, and could get things going. But if they're playing dirty like that. I'm sure some fines will be handed out. Yeah, no, absolutely. So, Starvin, Carolina wins. They're 3-3 three and three now on the season, which brings us to our number four game, the 49ers and the Titans. And this game was not close at all. I was surprised Jake Walker came back, uh, played okay, Tarvin. But, I mean, Colin Kaepernick and the 49ers really dominated this game from the get-go on the road, and they moved to 5-2. and two. Yeah, I was surprised, Trey. I, I really thought Tennessee would play it closer. I mean, it was a 14-point game, but San Francisco come out, that defense it really set the tone for this game. The offense looked better than I thought it would. I thought it would be about a field goal game that the Niners would win, but winning by 14 surprised me. I'm sure it didn't surprise you, though. No, I mean, the way they came out and dominated that game surprised me. I thought the Titans, when Jake Walker, um, once he – actually, you know, was going to play. I thought this team is going to really rebound and play, you know, sort of an emotional comeback game, and they didn't. I mean, the 49ers dominated. Kaepernick looked, looked solid. He had a lot of rushing yards today, uh, and the 49ers fans have to be happy with the performance on the road. Yep, the Niners are, are still winning and rolling, man. I mean, that's all you need to do in the on the road. But Tennessee's gotten a lot better than, than people thought they would be, actually, this year. So that takes us to, what, our number three game? Yeah, Tarvin, the Cowboys and the Eagles, I think both of us uh, have to be a little surprised with the Eagles only scoring three points and the Cowboys winning a defensive struggle. And both these teams looked like a clear offensive you know, performance that we were going to see in this game. And it, it became a 17-13 to defensive punt fest that the Cowboys controlled the entire game. Yeah, I mean, Chip Kelly has never been dominated like this uh, on offense and ever. I mean, you can go back to college or whenever. He's always produced yards and points. But up, up front, it's where Dallas won the battle, Trey. And when you win the the battle up front on both sides of the ball, you're going to win. Dallas showed the rest of the NFC East. And, and even I said they're going to win because the division's bad. But I think Dallas sent the message today 
that they're the best team in that division, and that's not even close. If you look at it, no team can come close to Dallas right now in the NFC East. Yeah, I, I, obviously Dallas now controls. But, Tarvin, let me ask you this. And I've been hearing a lot of chat rooms, a lot of uh, Twitter feeds talking about, you know, now that Chip Kelly lost this game, he's going to be the next coach at USC. And what, what are your <laughs> thoughts on that? Uh, I don't know why he would have left Oregon if he wanted to go to – I would rather be at Oregon, actually, than have to go to Southern Cal. So I, I think he's going to be in the pros as long as he has a job. But if he doesn't show that his offense can be productive and actually win football games, but you have to remember the Eagles' defense is terrible. I think the leash is short. I think you give him two or three years and he's gone. I mean, will he end up back in college? Possibly if, if another NFL team will hire him, but – but, Trey, you have to give him a couple of years to actually see what he can do with this system. Yeah, I mean, here, here's the thing, Tarvin, and the folks who are talking about this online, I just think don't don't know what they're talking about. One, the Eagles at three and four, I think, are a surprise to be as good as they are. I mean, look at uh, the NFC East. I mean, it's still very much up for grabs. I mean, four and three, three and four are what separates one and two. So Chip Kelly is still doing a pretty pretty good job in the NFL. And I think, you know, folks who expected him to be six and seven and oh, just, you know, this isn't, uh, you know, this isn't the college football. I mean, it takes a little bit of time to win in the NFL. Well, Trey, how, you know, you and I both picked Dallas. Didn't we both pick Dallas to win the East? We did, yeah. And you know how many people mocked us on Facebook? Well, I know, I know Paul did. <laughs> yeah. Oh, it was a lot. And Paul said it's not over. Oh, it's over. It's over. <laughs> you don't have to worry about that. Uh, the Redskins winning today didn't didn't scare me at all if I'm a Dallas Cowboys fan. But this could be the biggest win of their season. I mean, going on the road to Philadelphia in a divisional rival game where actually, Trey, Dallas was the three-point underdog. Yeah. Wow. Three-point dog, and they, they lose. Eagles lose at home with a number two game. And, Trey, I know you tried to say I picked the Lions, but I went back and listened to the show prior the Bengals at the Lions, both four and two. Cincinnati with a 92-yard field goal at the end of at the end of the game there to win. Trey, thoughts? Well, I mean, you know, this game was really the most entertaining football game of the day. I mean, you know, not including you know what we see out of this game tonight, but really went back and forth, tied at the very end when the Bengals were able to win it on a 54-yard long field goal. I was really just watching this game and just as a fan. Uh, enjoying when I was seeing the Bengals able to come back in this game. Tarvin showed me a lot of resiliency. This team is now 5-2 and two and really looking good, uh, as a lot of people pick them to, to actually win their division, uh, including me. So, Tarvin, I'm really liking what I'm seeing from the Bengals. The Lions losing this game at home has to have some concern for them, Tarvin, because you got to win the wins at home. Yeah, I mean, especially when you're playing in the division with the Green Green Bay, and the good thing is Chicago lost for them today, so that helps them out a little bit. But if you're De- Detroit, you look at this division, you have to be scared of how Green Bay's playing on defense now and the way they're running the football, winning football games. But you're right, you have to beat teams like Cincinnati when you're at home. But kudos to Cincinnati for going on the road. Uh, the reason I called it, I just I just felt Cincinnati was a more talented team than Detroit, and I just felt like they're a disciplined team. And now going on the road, they they took care of business. So if you're Detroit, are you worried right now, Trey, because you lost this game, or is it just another game? Well, I mean, I think you're less worried because the Bears lost today. I think if the Bears had won, 
uh, Tarvin, I think then for the Lions' sake, you're thinking, well, man, we really are starting to get behind in this division. But with uh, you know with the Green Bay Packers defense, you know, I think you're concerned there. But I think this this this, this division still has some winnable games for the Lions if they're able to pull, especially that defensive that defensive line, Tarvin. They, they should be way more dominant than they are, uh, and they're still not getting great play out of their defense. So. Clearly, their offense is, is hitting uh, a lot of cylinders. You know, scoring 24 points today, uh, but in the NFL, Tarvin nowadays, it seems like you got to score 30 to win at times. Yeah, you do. It's changing, and and their number one game of the night is going on currently. Detroit in the first, or excuse me, Indianapolis up 10 to seven over Denver in the first quarter. Denver just ran a kickoff turn back to midfield. Trey will break this game down on Wednesday night. But any thoughts on it before we go? No, I mean, uh, just the kicker for Indianapolis just laid out holiday, so that was pretty fun to watch. Hey, they should give him a 15-yard penalty and eject him for that hit. (laughs) I may have been targeting. (laughs) Yeah, and another game I want to talk about real quick is is we picked a trade, the New York Jets, over the New England Patriots. It wasn't on your list, but Thursday night we both picked the Jets to beat the Patriots, so we have to give kudos to ourselves for that one. Yeah, we also both picked the Steelers to win at home against the Ravens. So, you know, you and I had some uh, some nice NFL upsets, Tarvin. We did, and the NFL was consistent today. I, I felt good about it, but when I look at the college games, and we went, I went six out of ten. That's kind of low for the average. But then you see some people with three out of ten. You have to wonder if you didn't watch football this weekend and you look at the standings of the pickums, you would think something went wrong. There were some upsets, and that's exactly what happened. But, but Trey, let's get into our uh, college football discussion real quick. Uh, the BCS poll released. Is there any shock to you in the BCS right now when you look at the rankings? And then I want to move over to talk about the, the AP and the coaches poll real quick. Well, no, 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 no surprise. I mean, I, I thought – that Florida State and, and Oregon were going to be very, very close. I saw a lot of mock BCS polls that had Florida State ahead of Oregon, so I wasn't surprised. But, I mean, in no way should people assume that this is going to stay this way. And like I said before, you know, if Oregon and, and Florida State win next week, Oregon's still going to probably jump them because the UCLA is the better opponent. Uh, and they're so close that it's going to come down to a week-by-week scenario. Uh, but, you know, Tom, there's so much, so much time left. Well, the problem I have looking at the BCS is, is I mean, not a problem, but I see Missouri, how close they are to Ohio State. And if I'm an Ohio State fan, I'm worried because all this tells me is if, if these teams behind me keep winning, I'm getting jumped because Northwestern keeps losing. And congratulations to the Gophers, and Minson will be on in a little while to talk about that one. But the more Northwestern loses, Trey, and, and Michigan looks bad, I mean, this looks bad for Ohio State. This is an Ohio State team that won by 10 points at home uh, against Iowa, Trey. I mean, that's yeah, terrible. Yeah. yeah, I mean, here's the thing. Uh, it's kind of funny. I saw a lot of chatter about, well, you know, it's either, you know, it's Oregon, Florida State, and Alabama, and then the rest, you know, or it's, you know, who do you have it for if this was the cup of the year we're playing you know, for the playoff? Is it, was it Ohio State? Is it Baylor? Is it Missouri? And to me, it's way too soon. A lot of these teams are going to lose, Tarvin. I just don't see a scenario. I mean, like Louisville, you know, everybody thought, well, their schedule's so bad, they're going to run it. Well, what happened to them, Tarvin? They got beat. Uh, and I, just, I, I still think that, you know, Ohio State isn't that good of a football team. There's a good chance they get beat 
but if not, I have no problem with an undefeated Missouri or an undefeated Baylor jumping him. I just don't. Well, let me tell you a problem I see, and I think Stanford is number six in the BCS, and I think that's too high. You look at the loss they had at Utah. I mean, Utah's got a losing record, I believe, right now. And Trey, having them at number six is just mind-boggling when you have an undefeated Miami team at seven, Baylor at eight, and even Clemson at nine. I scratched my head on. But what do you think about Stanford being at six? Do you think that's a little high? I think that's a little bit high because there are undefeateds behind them. But, I mean, Stanford, I mean, no, Utah's got a winning record. But, um, you know, Stanford is a, a quality football team. And I think that, you know, this is, I mean, this is going to come down to, honestly, it's going to come down to that Stanford-Oregon game for a lot of reasons. But, you know, I mean, does Miami have a, a legitimate gripe? Not really, Tarvin, because they're going to get their, their shot in two weeks. Yeah, but I mean, I'm just talking about in general, and I'm not really talking about just Miami. I don't even think they're a top ten team. Uh, but just looking at Stanford, the way they lost, who they lost to, to an unranked team, they are four and three. Utah is, but if you look at Stanford's schedule, they they beat UCLA at home. That's great and all, but obviously that's the only quality win that I can see. I think they're a little overhyped. I am surprised to see Texas Tech in the number ten. I think. Looking at them, their their schedule's very easy up front. Now it gets a lot more difficult. I'm sure they won't stay there. And just seeing A&M at 16. But what I want to talk about really is the coaches poll today, Trey. When I looked up at the coaches poll, and just want your thoughts of this, I look at A&M and LSU. Now I have no problem, no problem with LSU being ahead of us. Uh, looking at Auburn at 17. How do you have Texas A&M at number 15 ahead of Auburn two places when Auburn has one better, you know, a better record with one loss? They they have better opponents so far on their schedule, really, and they beat Texas A&M and Texas A&M. How do you not drop them down below Auburn? Well, I, I see that as an issue, and I see the other thing I see, Carbon, is at Oklahoma State um, being tied for 13th with LSU. I mean, Oklahoma State, Carbon, really? Yeah, I mean, they they lost to West Virginia, and West that's the, probably West Virginia's only law, only win of the year. And then you see Oklahoma at 12 in the coaches' poll. Really? They got beat by three touchdowns, 21 points, something like that, by Texas. And, yet, and look, I'm not saying Auburn's a great football team, but I'm saying they deserve to be ahead of Louisville at 6-1, and one, which has the 150th-ranked schedule. And they lost at home to Central Florida, and they're still ranked ahead of them. Texas A&M, LSU, I can live with LSU being ahead of them. Oklahoma State, Oklahoma. And I have a problem with that. I mean, it's just I don't understand what the coaches are doing. And let's flip over to the AP, unless the people that watch the games on TV and actually take notes and study teams, they have Auburn at 11, UCLA 12, but they put LSU at 13, Texas A&M at 14, Oklahoma at 17, Louisville at 18, Oklahoma State at 19. Why the why the big discrepancy, Trey, between the AP and coaches poll with this? Well, I mean, coaches have said they don't watch the games. I mean, they usually try to catch up on this in the bye week. So, you know, it's never uncommon for the coaches to be way different than folks who watch football. I mean, they go off namesake. They go off usually just records and, not, and score outcomes. Uh, you know, coaches, I think, understand upsets a little bit better than, I think, the voters sometimes uh, because they have to, you know, they have to, they understand, the, the, you know, days of preparation and that kind of stuff. But, I mean, they don't watch the game, Starving, That's the bottom line. And Paul in the chat room says the AP is biased. 
in, in a way they are, but, I mean, and I've said it for years, and even, I mean, it didn't matter if Auburn was in there or not. I'm just talking about the teams and the discrepancy. These guys act like they have no clue of what's going on in college football when you look at the way they rank teams, the coaches, that is. And, I mean, that's a big discrepancy. And to have Oklahoma State and Louisville, and that's a game we're going to talk about in just a second, Trey, Louisville Friday night, uh, what were they, like a three, two-touchdown favorite at home over a Central Florida team that gave South Carolina nightmares and and they had a three-touchdown lead and they blew it. What does that say for Louisville, really? I mean, are they a top-ten team in your mind or around in that area, or are they just uh, lucky to be in the top 25? No, I mean, here's the thing. Are they on the edge of the top ten? Yeah, I mean, this is still the football team that, you know, took somebody in the, you know, in the Florida Gators to the woodshed last year. I mean, so they're a good football team. There's no doubt about that. But Tarvin, are they a national championship contender? Absolutely not. I mean, they're just not there. Yeah, and uh, here's the deal. I mean, does Bridgewater to you, does he take a big hit because of that game? Because I've seen him struggle this year. You know, that one game he had early in the season where we were all on his bandwagon, ever since that Kentucky game or he struggled during Kentucky, they've been struggling really. And they haven't – I mean, what do you think the problem is at Louisville? This is a team that beat Florida in the Sugar Bowl, everybody returning back on defense. What's the problem at Louisville for them to be able to lose a team like this? Can can Charlie Strong not, not get his team focused? Because it looks like to me they're just not a focused team. Once they went up by three touchdowns, they just lost focus, and, and that's when the wheels fell off. Well, I think there was a little bit of complacency in Louisville, but, I mean, let's, let's be honest. I mean, UCF is a really good football team, and they – almost beat South Carolina, and they beat Penn State. I mean, so this is a team that's got quality wins this year. I think UCF is, is you know, that loss to UCF, and the way they lost shows me something about um, their focus and that kind of stuff. But, I mean, losing to UCF was not a surprise to me because it turns out they're a really good football team, and they're really probably, to be honest, they probably outcoached Charlie Strong, but Charlie Strong is still a young football coach. Uh, but Teddy Bridgewater, did he take a huge step back? Yeah, Tarwin, he had to go undefeated to win the Heisman. There's no, no doubt about it. Yeah, and Louisville had to go undefeated to, to hopefully, you know, play in the championship game, which we know that can't happen now. There's no way possible. They won't even win their conference, it looks like, and probably play in a BCS game. So, I mean, it's disappointing. I wanted to see Louisville do well this year, but I also wanted people to realize that when you play a, a very weak schedule for an entire schedule, you shouldn't be rewarded for it. So, I don't know. Maybe that will teach Louisville in order to keep your players motivated and into it. Did you schedule some more competition? I mean, there's no reason that schedule should be that weak. So maybe their AD and president will get together and, and try to get some competition because it looks like to me a team that lost focus, they're bored, and that's what you run into when you have a very good football team that, that plays high school teams every week, which Central Florida is better than a high school team, Trey. I'm not saying they are, but for the most part, uh, they're not that very good. And the next game – uh, hopefully Coach Lett will call in tonight. The number 11 South Carolina Gamecocks last week went into the Rocky Top and got flopped, Trey. Yeah, I mean, South Carolina, I don't know how to explain um, this loss for them because, I mean, this, yeah, you're going on the road. Tennessee is a team that, that has, has been fighting every week. Uh, Tennessee's well coached. I mean, to be honest, Tarvin, the, the talent that's being coached up in Tennessee is surprising because I saw talent get coached down in South Carolina in this game where you had clearly, you know, a better quarterback at South Carolina than Tennessee, but I just saw better coaching 
um, better moves, and, and really just better playmaking on the on the part of Tennessee in this football game. And that surprises me, Tarvin, because I really thought South Carolina was going to break out at this point. But they took a huge step back. I did as well. I, I thought that Arkansas game and was was just a, a game to get them going. But, but Sonia was right in the chat room. We talked about last week, you know, every SEC coach is trying to kill Obelim at Arkansas, and maybe that was Spurrier's way of welcoming him to the SEC. But do you think Spurrier needs to tone it down with, with his comments that he makes about opponents and other schools all the time? And, and also, is there a chance that do you think there's possible he could have lost his team a little bit with the way he treated Clowney? Well, I think, yeah, I think part of it is that Bellum runs his mouth too much. I mean, he's a great football coach. I mean, I'm not, you know, I actually like Bellum as a football coach, but he's just one of those guys who just doesn't seem to know uh, when you don't as a football coach put up bulletin board material. I mean, you know, Arkansas isn't the kind of team that could need to fire up anybody, Charvin. It's just silly. So I'm talking about Spurrier, the way he talked bad about Tennessee, saying he's, he's, had, he's coached more games there than their head coaches have, and, He's talking bad about Auburn in the media. But it's just like he puts up, Spurrier puts up bulletin material, bulletin board material before these games. And do you think maybe he learned his lesson after Tennessee took him behind the woodshed and embarrassed him? Does Spurrier learn a lesson, Tarvin? (laughs) 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 The guy has never learned a lesson in that regard in his life. I mean, Spurrier, if you recall Spurrier at Florida, I mean, um, maybe you weren't keeping up with him as closely as I was because he was at Florida State. I was a Florida, you know, Florida State fan. But man, the guy used to coin every every year. He had a different, you know, a different slogan for to hate Florida State. Uh, he just seemed to uh, just get himself quotes every year, and he's not going to change. Yeah, but if I'm a, I just wish. I mean, if I'm a South Carolina fan player, I want him to tone it down a little bit because all he did was light a fire up under Tennessee and. I don't know, but watching this game, what I saw, and I'm, I'm getting a little background noise, Trey. Can you can you check on that? It could be me. Yeah. Could be me. I'm gonna check on it. But when I watched that game, Tennessee had the bye week after Georgia, and they looked like they got ten times better on defense. These guys are flying around the football. Yeah, Tarvin, they really looked like they were prepped for this game for sure. I thought the bye week did them great, and probably got them a little bit a little bit healthy as well. Well, coming out of the third quarter, Tennessee was up by like I think it was seventeen to seven at halftime, and South Carolina came in in the third quarter and really moved the football and and stunned Tennessee, and they got up in the game. And I was worried, you know, watching Tennessee, but then it looked like the adjustments were made by the Tennessee coaching staff and some big plays made by some freshmen. And Tennessee is one of those teams that they don't quit, and that's one thing that I noticed watching the football game this year. Every every Tennessee game I've watched, these guys keep fighting and keep fighting. And am I surprised that Tennessee beat South Carolina, Trey? Uh, not at all, really. I, I thought it would be a close game, but but I'm not shocked that this upset happened. Like I am, some of. Yeah, I mean, I'm not. I'm not shocked. Uh, but this was to me, I thought the most surprising one because I really thought South Carolina was poised to break out. I mean, especially with the Georgia losses and, and the SEC East being controlled by Missouri, I thought, well, this is South Carolina's shot to sort of start running through the, the East and make their, their way to the championship game. Um, but that just didn't happen. Yeah, but, but is, you know, how do you motivate, you know, can you bring Tennessee back down, Trey? And we'll talk about this game Wednesday night, but, 
now their prize is, you know, they've had a tough schedule all year, but now they get to go to Tuscaloosa and play Alabama. And I don't know if this is going to shock you or not, but Alabama is a 28-point favorite over Tennessee. Do you think that's a little high? Yeah, I, I think that's a little high. I think that's a pretty big line considering, uh, you know, what Tennessee has actually done this year in their first year with Butch Jones. But, I mean, either one thing, either either Vegas thinks that Tennessee is, is sort of done now with their, their big upsets or they just think that Alabama is so much better than the rest of the SEC. Well, Alabama was favored 28 over Arkansas, and you see how that turned out. I think Tennessee is ten times better than Arkansas, really. But but one thing Tennessee is going to still have to get better on, and that's offense. And I'm sure they will once they get the quarterback in place or get him more comfortable. But Tennessee's a quarterback away, Trey, from, from being a contender in the East. and the, I mean, they are a contender in the East. They've lost two games, and so is everybody else but Missouri. And you have to remember, Missouri plays South Carolina and Tennessee, so Tennessee still kind of controls its own destiny. And one of the things I do want to say is that, that you know North Kid, who you and I were talking about, is their sort of breakout guy this year to watch out for. And you know when I brought it up with Coach Led earlier in the season, he kind of was like, you know, we're all still kind of figuring it out, but he's certainly real talented and it looks great. That catch he had, Tarvin, was was incredible. I mean, if it wasn't for the Stanford guys' catch, I mean, that would have been the catch of the day. Yeah, I mean, the the reason the catch was so big too, Trey, was the time of game it was in against a, a quality defense in South Carolina. But being a freshman and making a play like that, man, can you imagine what he's going to look like in two years? Yeah, he he looks like he – I mean, to be honest, Tarvin, his size and his ball skills, I mean, he looks like a guy who's going to play on Sunday. Yeah, so all you Tennessee haters out there, I mean, you have to give them props and kudos for this. And, man, Trey, right now, who's going to win the East? Yeah, man, I wish I could tell you. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm looking at it and just scratching my head. Now. I can't. I, I, I can't predict it. I don't know. I have no clue. Yeah, the only thing I'm going to say is I'm still going to pick against against Missouri. I still, still, I can't see Missouri making the championship game. I, I know right now that they, they're they're so far ahead right now in the standings and you know looking good. I just. I just can't see it, Tarvin. I just can't see Missouri in their second year. I mean, Missouri has been terrible in the Big 12. I mean, I just can't see it. Well, I've got a lock for everybody out there that, that likes locks. I give them, you know, rarely. But here's a lock for you. Here's a nugget for you for next week. Kind of a preview. Take South Carolina. Give the seven and a half points to Missouri next week because they will cover. I think Missouri starts coming back down to reality. They play South Carolina. They still have to play Texas A&M. They play Ole Miss. They play Tennessee. Trey, I could see four of the losses in those games right there. Yeah, I, I could too. I mean, that's why I'm just saying. I, I, my only thing is, I'm not saying I'm saying that Missouri doesn't get in that championship game. I, I understand, Paul. They have a two-game cushion on South Carolina, but I think that's this week, and they could have a one-game lead on South Carolina. Yeah, they, they're going to have a one-game lead after this week. And I, I'm still going by my initial prediction. And as long as it's mathematically possible, I'm going to pick South Carolina to win that division. Um, it's going to be tough. But in reality, the winner of the East, Trey, I don't think they have a shot against the winner of the West. Yeah. Well, I mean, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, the 
Texas A&M, John, Paul says, goes to Missouri late in November. I don't care if it's late in January. It's not going to matter. A&M, as long as Manziel's healthy, like like Jason said, it should be it should be just fine. Missouri doesn't have a defense either, so when we'll talk about them in just a few minutes when we go down. But the next game, it didn't shock me, Trey. I said it was going to be a close game, but Ole Miss decimated with injuries. Comes back at home after losing to Alabama, Auburn, Texas A&M. You would think this team was was ready to fall apart. But Hugh Freeze rallied the troops, and this is a sign, Trey, of a good football coach. If you can get your team to respond after a three-game losing streak and beat LSU, I mean, he did something right during this game to get his troops motivated, don't you think? Well, I mean, one of the things he did right, Tarvin, to end this three-game skid was he he out he outcoached Les Miles. I mean, let's be honest. I mean, Les Miles. This is where we talked about you know earlier about you know two coaches went in and one coach outcoached the other, and this is this was a clear out coaching. I was, you know, Mettenberger was he looked lost like he did last year. I mean, this is the first game where we saw him look just like he did last year, and so I don't know what was going on at LSU if they were just sleepwalking through this game, but. You know, Les Miles and Zach Mettenberger, you know, that whole team looked like a team who just did not show up at all, and they just got outplayed. Yeah, and people are saying, Tanya says she couldn't hear us. Can anybody in the chat room hear us right now? Um, Paul can. Tanya says she's calling back in. But, but Trey, some people say LSU took a dive last night for a paycheck. What do you think about that? No. <laughs> I don't know who you're talking to. I'm joking. I'm joking. Uh, Brian Burgess, I want to hear from him tonight. You know, he's been in here every week. He he supported his LSU Tigers, and, you know, when they were looking good and winning, and I think he had a conversation with Jason Minson in here saying that they were going to blow Ole Miss out. So I'd love to hear from him, you know, and see what he thought about LSU. Mettenberger looked like the Mettenberger of old trade with three picks. And just an update real quick, Indianapolis just took the lead. It looked like they recovered a fumble in the end zone. Peyton Manning looks dazed and confused. It's going to be – or is a safety, I think. They call it ruling as a safety, actually, looking at the game right now. I wasn't watching at all. But, Trey, LSU, where do they go from here? Well, I mean, LSU's got to put their season back together and just, and, and just make this about beating Bama now and that being their one – you know, one goal this season is now they're clearly out of any national championship considerations and, and, to be honest, looking very, very, very back against the SEC West about, you know, the possibility of even winning the West now. It really would come down to both Auburn and Alabama losing, you know, twice and LSU going undefeated. That's about the only way LSU can get in there. So they have to really refocus themselves and really go, we have to wreck it for Bama. We can't let them win anymore. We have to get our recruits back in order. we got to knock Bama off that pedestal. And that's the only way LSU can get this season in any way back in, back in form. Yeah, and, and Les Miles, to me, I mean, he, he really dropped the ball with his team. But, I mean, looking at it, how are they going to beat an Alabama team in Tuscaloosa playing with that kind of, Focus. I mean, can can LSU come back and, and regain focus enough to know they've they've lost two games. They're in third place, tied with A and M in the SEC West. And even if they beat Alabama, that doesn't mean anything. It doesn't mean they can win the West. So if you're Les Miles and you're not a good coach anyway, in my opinion, how do you motivate these guys? Well, I think the only way you can motivate them is saying, "Hey, 
we got to wreck it for Bama. We got We can't let them win another national championship, and we, and you know, we, we have to uh, play our best. And for Mettenberger, I think it has to be you know, he needs to finish strong so he can get a higher draft grade. I mean, that's what he's got to be wanting is because if he looks like he did against Ole Miss, Tarvin, he's going to fall down draft board. I mean, and, and quickly. Well, you and I, I mean, I'm not looking crazy, am I, to say preseason we had Georgia losing four and LSU I had going eight and four, Trey. So it it could be realistic that LSU could lose four games this year. you got to think they play Alabama and Texas A&M. Those are losable football games. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's, it's definitely possible. Now with this loss, um, you know, they're looking like uh, – they're looking like a different team than we thought earlier because, I mean, Mettenberger just, just – I, mean, I don't know what happened to him, Tarvin, uh, but he looked way, way, way back into the 2012 season and his progression. So we'll have to see what happens with him because, yeah, two very, very tough games that LSU has to be on their top, you know, top of the game for. And I think it's called parity, and Sonia's going to come on in a few minutes and talk about you know, there's a lot of talk going on right now that the, the SEC is down. You know, they're terrible. Uh, there's no good teams in the SEC. So she's going to come on in just a few minutes and talk about that with us once we break down these football games. I'm interested to, to hear your point, Trey, and anybody else that wants to weigh in at 646-716-5564. Um, LSU goes down. And just a crazy weekend, and we'll just Texas Tech took care of Virginia. Trey, we're not going to talk much about that game. Texas Tech went on the road to West Virginia. They didn't look great, but yet here they are, seven and zero. Give us, give us what you think their record is going to end up being. I mean, any chance they could sneak in and win the Big Twelve? Uh, I mean, they could win the Big Twelve and it's down. But you know, the one thing I will say about Texas Tech is, I mean, they're probably the most exciting, you know, other than Baylor young football team when it comes to if you're in the Big 12 and that's where you want to go. I mean, because, I mean, Kling, you know, Kingsbury is a, just a phenomenally good young football coach, and that's what I want to say about them, Tarvin, is that I really was impressed by the way he coached the ball in that game and how he's keeping it together. Because, I mean, that team is turning the ball over, I mean, tremendously uh, left and right, and they still – I mean, he's still coaching it up. So he's a good young football coach. Yeah, he is, and and they're winning football games. That's all you have to do. Nobody thought Missouri would be here, but hey, here we are. In Game Six, a game of two unranked opponents. Trey, you usually don't see this when you see Southern Cal and Notre Dame play, but I tried to watch some of this game last night, and I recorded it, went back through and watched it. I just didn't see any offense. Is what I can tell you about this game. <laughs> well. <laughs> This game didn't have any offense. It's probably why you're, you're you're looking for Bigfoot, buddy. You're not going to find it. <laughs> it was 14 to 10 at half, and I think that was the final, correct? Yeah, it, it didn't change. And let me the, the one thing I will say about this game, you know, is is all those folks at USC who were hyping up Ed Ogeron as you know the coming of <laughs> Jesus for USC, but it's come down, guys. This guy is not a great football coach. He should have beat Notre Dame if he was that great. Uh, the offense looked lost. <laughs> Just, just come uh, on. Ed Orgeron, man, he, he's he's always good. I remember that time at Ole Miss when he took the job. He he ripped his shirt off in the locker room and tried to fight the players. So, yeah, he's a good role model to have as a head coach, uh, but not. So, uh, how long is it going to take USC to announce the head coach after the season's over? You think? Uh, yeah, how long, Carmen? Yeah. 
Ah, uh, man, that's a good question. Not not very much longer, buddy. They're gonna figure it out soon. All right, just a thought here. The next game is I got right again. So far, when we looked at the Pick'em Challenge in the college, everybody just about missed the first three games. Louisville uh, lost. South Carolina lost. LSU lost. But Trey, I'm one of the ones that picked Arizona State in this game to to beat Washington and beat them, did they? I mean, Arizona State took Washington behind the woodshed. What does this tell you about Washington here? Were they deflated after them losing to Stanford and Oregon, or are they just not a very good football team? Well, I think this is one of those moments where, you know, I thought they were going to regroup. You know, they have a good football coach who's doing a lot of great things at Washington. But, you know, this was the opposite. Arizona State, if you look at the offense, I think they've scored over 50 points in, like, four straight games or something, and it's, it's pretty good teams. Uh, so, you know, I, I didn't look at uh, Arizona State as a good football team as, as they are because I guess, you know, still looking at that Wisconsin win they didn't deserve. But, yeah, I was I was impressed with Arizona State, and I think Washington Tarvin is not as good as we thought they were. I mean, they're still a team that's going to make a bowl, but I think we were all thinking, at least I was, that this was a, you know, a top 15, top 20 uh, ball, ball club, and they're clearly, you know, at best a uh, maybe a top 25, maybe. Uh, top 30, 35 or so. Well, Arizona State took care of business at home. Not surprised here. And I see Big E in the queue. We'll bring him in in a minute, too, once we get through rolling through these games. Um, Trey, next game, Florida, Missouri. Um, That's one game right there that, that when I saw it, initially I was thinking all the way Florida was going to win this game. They were gonna they were gonna take care of business, but the more I started looking at it, when I looked at the point spread in this game, I saw them only underdog three points. Missouri that was with their quarterback out, and it just made me start wondering what did Vegas know that we didn't know, Trey? And I found out real quick that Missouri's a pretty good football team, or Florida has no chance of scoring points really. Which one is it? Well, you know, two things I guess. One, I, you know, I thought that Matty Mock, the freshman. Uh, at Missouri, um, I didn't know much about him. I didn't remember what kind of recruit he was out of college. I just assumed uh, a lot about him. I think the things I assumed were wrong because, I mean, he threw the ball pretty well against – I mean, let's be honest. I mean, I know that Florida's defense got kind of lit up against Missouri, but, I mean, Florida's defense is still a pretty good defense. And I was impressed by the way that this, you know, this freshman – was able to break down Florida's defense and only, you know, a week of preparation for him because obviously he was the backup last week. So, I mean, the fact that he went, you know, thrust into the starting lineup and then could look at all that film and break down Florida in a week showed me a lot about him and a lot about the head coach at uh, at Missouri, Tarvin. I, I just I can't believe they, they, they pulled off this one. I was shocked. Well, I mean, I, I just looked at Missouri, and I, the reason I picked Missouri was because of Florida's offense. I didn't, I didn't see anything um, to make them better. And, and when I watched the game, I was just like, "Wow, well, I'm so glad I picked Missouri." And Trey, I'm getting a lot, a lot of static uh, from your phone. If you could check it real quick, and I'll bring you back on uh, when you look at it in just a second. But when I look at the stats and everything, I just saw Missouri. I mean, it looked like the Georgia game to me. It was not even close. They took care of business, and I don't know what Muschamp's doing at Florida, but they're they're comparing him to Lane Kiffin right now with with some of the boneheaded stuff he does, really, in the way his team performs. He had a team full of talent, and they can't get a quarterback. But you're telling me, out of all the the quarterbacks they have, Trey, 
somebody there has to have some talent enough to win a football game at Missouri. Yeah, I mean, for the defense, I mean, there's no doubt about it, must champ can coach the defense. I think what a lot of people are questioning with Florida is, you know, the, the hiring of Pease, and, and, and is he the, really the guy that can, you know, run that offense? Because Muschamp really gives him the ability to sort of run it. And what I've seen, Tarvin, is, is, is he doesn't have it there. Florida clearly needs a better offensive coordinator. They have talent at the roster. I mean, Florida's got five-star guys on that offense. Um, but they're just not putting it together. And Muschamp's going to have to either figure out what he wants to do from the offensive side of the, the coordinator, or he's probably not going to have a job. I mean, he can't. He's not going to be able to go down with the ship very much longer. Yeah, uh, I agree. I mean, there's a the deal. I think Florida's going to cash it in now. I don't think that defense is going to keep going out week in and week out and giving the effort. They just can't do it, Trey. They can't hold up for an entire season with the way the offense is performing. And when you look at their defense on the field all the time, they're going to break down. At what point does the defense just say, I'm done? I'm not going to do this every game and risk injury and for, for you not to even move the ball. I think that's what we're going to see at Florida. I think it's downhill from here. I don't see them, I don't see them beating Florida State at the end of the season. I don't see them beating South Carolina. I think the team's done. I think they quit now. Well, and that's the question now. And, you know, Paul, our big Gator fan in the chat room, Paul, I, I'll ask you, I'll ask the Gator fans, how close to giving up, you know, a lot what we saw out of Arkansas last year um, is in Auburn as well. How close is Florida to doing that in the SEC? Because, we, you know, we saw it twice last year, Tarvin. you got to think that, you know, Florida's on that bubble right now. Are they going to they gonna throw in the towel? Yeah, I, I think they will. And just a reminder, I see Everett. He's in the chat or in the on the phone waiting. I'm going to get you in just a second. Sonia's on there. She was first. We're going to talk about if the SEC is down, really, or what their thoughts are. Jason Humphrey, I see you in there. We're about to get to you in a minute once we break down these games real quick. And, and Trey, the next game, uh, one of the shockers of the day to some people, Auburn went on the road to Texas A&M. Kyle Field won 45-41, to and, man, as a fan, I actually enjoyed watching that game. Usually I'm so tense during a game like that that I don't enjoy it. But, actually, I enjoyed that game yesterday, watching both teams compete, and it kind of went the way I thought it would. Uh, I thought Auburn would run the football. I thought A&M would struggle stopping it. And I, I remember I said they had to win the turnover battle, and they did that, and the defensive line stood up. So give us your thoughts of Auburn going on the road and beating Texas A&M by four. Well, Tarvin, I mean, this game went down, I mean, like, kind of like we said, you know, what does Auburn have to do to win? And they did all those things to win. I mean, we talked about the turnovers. We talked about, you know, being successful running the football. And they were able to do that. I was very impressed with Nick Marshall. Uh, I was impressed with the offense that, uh, that they put together for this game. And they really came in with a game plan of we're going to run the ball down their throats and we're not going to give up on it. Even when, I think at times, it, it, you know, some coaches would have gone away from the run. Uh, just because of how the game was flowing, they just kept going with their game plan. And at the end of the game, I mean, they, they were forcing Manziel into really tough situations where he was, you know, running with the football and then getting hurt. He was tossing the ball downfield sort of recklessly. I mean, he had over 500 yards of offense, Tartman. I mean, the kid was mm-hmm. incredible. But uh, it was a very, very great game for me to watch right before the Florida State game. And I was just hoping it ended before the Florida State game because it was like I, I couldn't stop watching it. I know I was in I'm in Atlanta and trying to watch 
they they wouldn't get off the Vanderbilt and Georgia game for God's sake. And I'm missing the first part of the Auburn A and M game, but let's look at the stats real quick. Twenty seven first downs for Auburn, twenty nine for A and M. I mean, right there even. But total yards. If you'd have told me Auburn would have outgained A and M, I'd have been surprised. Six fifteen to six oh two. But the stat that stands out is three hundred and seventy nine yards rushing for Auburn, one hundred and thirty three for A and M. I mean it's pick your poison. I mean, A&M passed all over us. We ran all over them. And at the end of the day, the two turnovers by Johnny Manziel and the defensive line stepping up in that last drive and, and getting Manziel twice really helped. I mean, it's just they ran out of time. That's what happened to Texas A&M. It was one of those games who had the ball last. But, Trey, I want to ask you one thing about this game. Nick, I mean, Gus Malzahn, you have to score, of course, but did he, didn't he score a little too early? Couldn't he have slowed it down and, and made A&M use it, their timeouts and then punched it in? Because A&M wasn't going to stop them from getting a yard. Well, clearly that's what everybody was thinking, Tarvin. I mean, it was, I mean, Twitter was blowing up with folks saying, you know, oh, why are you scoring so fast? And I'll be honest, like, there is that feedback, you know, at some point. Where, but I think at some point as well, when you're the underdog going into an environment, you take the scores you can get. And I think Auburn uh, was going to run their offense. And, you know, they happened to score quickly because A&M wasn't playing much defense. So, yeah, I think, if they, you know, if they could have guaranteed themselves a score and, and slowed it up, they would have loved to do that. But, you know, you got to take them when you can get them. And I, I just think they called a good game overall. And I'm not going to knock Miles on for that because he won. Well, I will give Big E some props. He's a big Bama fan, and, and he picked Auburn to upset Texas A&M. And it was funny. I got a text message from an Alabama fan, Big E, during the game. It said, War Eagle, you know, to me. And I've never seen any Alabama fan tell me War Eagle during a game. I think he hates Johnny Menzel that bad. But um, just looking at that game, though, you have to be happy if you're an Auburn Tiger fan out there. Three and nine season last year. You're six and one. You're relevant again, guys. And and let's see if they can play. Do you think Auburn's going to have any trouble handling success, Trey? I mean, this is a three and nine team, and it seems like they've been playing with a chip on their shoulder. Do you think Gus Malzahn can keep them motivated and keep them from really, you know, looking ahead? Well, you know, any kind of program that hits the success from the you know when you hadn't had it the years past, they're going to have to worry about about that. They're going to he's going to have to worry about you know, keeping them hungry. And I think that's what, you know, we'll talk about Florida State and I think, you know, I look at it as an Auburn problem too is can you keep your team hungry? Because Auburn's got some things they could accomplish if they stay hungry. I mean, they could they could do some damage here in this SEC still. So let's look at their schedule. they got Florida Atlantic. Then they travel to Tennessee and Arkansas. They'll be favored in all three of those. And then it comes down to two games in Auburn, Georgia. I mean, the question is, will they – be back some of their players. How good will they be? Auburn should be favored over Georgia, but then that Iron Bowl. Could you imagine an 11 and 0 Alabama team versus a 10 and 1 Auburn team in Auburn? Trey, is what kind of? I mean, I think Alabama needs that. Really, they want that. They want a 10 and 1 Auburn team when they play them. Don't you think? Well, I mean, I think Alabama fans will probably say no, but I mean, I think we're talking about the the BCS rankings, and you know. I mean, it'd be good for Alabama to go out and, and take out a, a nice, you know, ranked Auburn team and to rank really high. I think it'd do do well for you know Alabama in that lore of the national championship. But do I think Bama needs it? Not necessarily. But I mean, I, I think Alabama fans and Auburn fans want to play each other when they're at their best. 
Yeah, I, I, I do as well. I think so. It's going to be a good one. I mean, there's some projections. I have Auburn going to the Sugar Bowl. There's some projections, Capital One Bowl. But my projection is we have Florida Atlantic coming up, and I know you might laugh at that, but Auburn needs to stay focused or, or they're going to end up losing that one if they're not careful. Anytime you come off a big emotional win like they did and you forget how to play football, you're susceptible. And to be a champion, you, you can't look past anybody. So I want to see how they play this Saturday against Florida Atlantic in the night game to see how they respond to that win. That's, that's going to tell me a lot about this team. And Johnny Manziel, what does he have to do to win the Heisman Trophy? Well, I mean, they need to finish out the regular season undefeated, but it's not, you know, it's not just about what Manziel needs to do. It's about what others are going to need to do. I mean, if, if, if Winston goes undefeated with Florida State, Harvin, I mean, it really doesn't matter what Manziel does. Well, we're going to take a break during these pick-ems right quick. We're going to go over the next two games. I don't want to keep uh, Sonya and Big E waiting. So we're going to get Sonya on, then we're going to put Everett on with her. If, if he has some thoughts about the SCC, I'm sure that's why he's called in. Sonya, how's it going? Hey, how you guys doing? Hey, Trey. Hey, what's up? What's going on? Nice pictures of Ari, by the way. I saw them earlier. <laughs> <Thank you. laughs> yeah, this weekend was... Uh, <laughs> I don't know if we thought if, if people thought it was opposite day, but it seemed more like opposite quarter. <laughs> and uh, what was funny to me because uh, we we talked to Tarvin a little bit after or was it last night when you got home? Is when we talked yeah. to Tarvin? Yeah. Yeah. And uh, of course, you guys know I'm always on Facebook and all the different sports groups. And one of the things that we were talking about last night was the fact that there were so you guys know we have SEC haters, okay, or or people who intensely dislike. SEC teams, and what was so funny and what we thought was just hilarious were all of these guys who are anti-SEC posting left and right, the SEC loses today, the SEC lost six games, and the SEC this and the SEC that. Well, it only took us one time to say, you guys do realize that they lost to other SEC teams, right? So using your logic, if the SEC lost, the SEC also won. So that makes no sense. It's like, come on. It's not like they played out of – all of them played um, out of conference games. They were playing against each other. And the thing that also gets me is we do this every year. We've been doing it since the inception of the SEC. Why people try to make such a big deal out of conference in-conference play when certain teams lose – it just it floors me. I'm like, God, this is nothing new. We have done this over and over and over again. There will always be top-ranked teams that get knocked off. You just have to hope it's not yours, you know, knock on wood for Mama. And you just have to realize that instead of looking at it as, as oh, the SEC is weak and the SEC is that, no, it's not that at all. If anything, it shows the strength of the conference because I'm looking at some of your in-conference games and, honestly, they just suck. And last time I checked, guess what? We are still up there ranked. The only two teams to me out of all those losses that happened yesterday that should have fallen off were Georgia and Florida. I mean, they they both have three losses now. I don't know what it's going to take for the state of Georgia and the city of Atlanta to try. <laughs> and, I mean, seriously, we've talked about this. Jason and I have talked. We've Tarvin. talked about this. Tarvin. Say, for instance, Oregon suffered the same fate that Georgia did and had basically everyone get injured. 
what would Oregon look like right now? I mean, it's not like Georgia's at the beginning of the year was terrible. <laughs> you know, they got ravished by injuries, a lot of injuries. Yeah, and, but that's still no excuse, though, because the way I look at it is if you're a good coach and you're recruiting, guess what? You've got some depth. You've got somebody out there, and we see examples of that. Look at Tamu's defense. They had six of their starters out for, what, was the first two games or something? And we already saw how they are. And then you see Georgia, they lose Gurley, they use, uh, uh, lose what's-his-name, and now it's, that's the biggest excuse. It's like, no, you cannot use that as an excuse. It doesn't work that way. There is a reason that certain teams, and I have to, I have to harp on, on UGA here because I do live in Atlanta, and uh, before any dog fans start calling up and calling me a hater, I actually do live in Atlanta, and I try to support the dogs, but I'm sorry, I'm used to dealing with winners. And I cannot deal with a team that gets me so hyped up and you really think they're going to make it, and they crash and burn every single time. It's the same with the Braves, with the Falcons. I mean, the only two teams that won in Georgia today or yesterday were um, – or today was the Falcons and then Georgia Tech won, won yesterday. But getting back on topic, the SEC haters need to realize something. You guys make something out of nothing. When you're sitting here talking about the SEC lost, they lost to fellow SEC teams. And if anything, this is telling us that our middle-tier teams or lower-tier teams are improving. To me, yeah. that's what it is. It's like, okay, if I look and I see that Mizzou upsets uh, – uh, Florida. Florida, thank you. And then you've got Bandy upsetting UGA. You're looking at these teams that everybody saw as a cupcake gang or an easy win. These guys are bringing it. So it's, I think it's, it's, it's really making all the teams up their level of play and also up their recruiting. So that was my point I wanted to make. <laughs> well, well Trey, Trey, I think that's a good point she's making. And a lot of people, I heard the same thing, is the SEC's down, they suck, they're, they're losing. I think that's exactly opposite of what's going on because, to me, a conference is not two or three teams. It's the combined teams, and you have to look at the SEC. Eleven teams are probably going to make bowls this year, possibly twelve, and and I and I really think that shows a sign of a, a strong uh, conference, top to bottom. I mean, you can't have just top heavy and then the rest of the teams suck. I think the SEC is getting a little better, actually. Yeah, Tarvin, that's the Big Ten. Yeah, <laughs> that, yeah. That's I the mean, I, top heavy. Hey, Hey guys, I'm gonna I'm gonna bring E on real quick with y'all in here. Big Big E, is the SEC down or is it just getting better all across the board? Man, are we really talking about this? Yeah. Florida State, put Florida State in the SEC and say how they had an opportunity to join a few years ago, if I recall, and they didn't want in. They didn't want the physicality and the the beating that you had to withstand week in week out. I go I go back to 2010 when Auburn won it all. That was probably Alabama's best team, and, and injuries. Uh, I mean, of course, Garcia had the game of his life, but that team healthy at the end of the year in the bowl game absolutely destroyed Michigan State because they were healthy. But the beating that that, that SEC teams take week in, week out against whoever, uh, Oregon wouldn't win six games in the SEC. Uh, they're too small. Their offense is based on speed and running a lot of plays, and their linemen are, what, 290, Tarvin? I mean, 
they, you know, they wouldn't last against these 320-pound offensive tackles and guards. And, and Sonia, I do disagree with you on one thing. The injuries that Georgia's withstained or have had to deal with, you're talking about some severe talent. I mean, you're talking about top wide receivers, top uh, – Gurley, in my opinion, Gurley's probably the best back in the SEC, and that's coming from an Alabama fan that likes Yeldon and likes Drake and, and likes the running backs that we have at Alabama, but Gurley's a specimen. And you you, you can't lose that kind of talent in the SEC and, and, and win – consistently with with what you've got because you've got youth coming in that hadn't played. You've got freshmen playing that, that don't understand the the offense or the blocking schemes or the the route running or you know it's it's all me and Tarvin talked a couple of weeks ago when all those injuries started happening and and we said it would be Georgia would be lucky to finish with three losses at the at that point. And that's why when they get, when you get a team from the SEC that runs the table or, win, or wins the SEC with one loss in a bowl game, a BCS game, a national championship game, they're going to be favored. They're going to be dominant. Nobody wants to play that team, whoever it is, whether it's LSU, Alabama, Auburn, whoever, because that team that went 11-1 or 12-0 and and then won the SEC championship is going to be more physical, they're going to be larger, stronger, and just as fast as your small teams that like to run this option run option read. And and you know let them, you know what the whole country wants us to lose, so break it on. You know, break it on. You know. Well, let let me rebut. Well, first of all, are you done? Because I don't want to interrupt you, FD. I no, like you. It. Okay. The reason that I can't really agree on that is. First of all, somebody tried to use that argument yesterday. It was a fellow SEC fan that was a they're, they're a UGA fan and, well, just say UGA. And we were going back and forth, not arguing or debating, just having a discussion. And they tried to use that same logic. And I was like, okay, so what you're telling me is that your coach or your coaching staff does not recruit or coach their players so they're ready to step up to the next level. And they were like, no, but if you lose a top talent, blah, 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 same thing that you just said. I said, okay, well, Bama did it. When Ingram was out, who stepped up? Trent. When Trent got hurt, who stepped up? Mays. It's called death. I'm sorry. I just give – no, seriously, I cannot – I understand it. I totally I, – I agree with what you're saying somewhat. But to me, it still falls down to the coaching – recruiting and training and coaching those players. When you are when you've got a blowout win where you're fifty something up, guess what? That's when you put your second and third string in. That's when they get that experience. You don't keep your starters in trying to get more points or trying to win style points. No. You coach. That's how they're gonna get that experience, which is why Saban is a success and why Alabama is where they are. But if you're a coach and your first excuse is, well we lost our top two uh, running backs. We lost our top two receivers. Hello. I think we lost. I think we lost Sonya. I don't know what happened. Trey, do you want to? You want to respond to Big E? Yeah. My, my only comment is, you know, there's no doubt that the SEC is still the best conference in the land. I mean, I think anybody who says otherwise is not watching football very often. But to say that the SEC is more dominant than any than years past isn't true either. I mean, there's 
years past, we had four SEC teams that were clearly national champion top ten teams, and you just don't have that this year. So, I mean, they're not as strong as they were in years past, but they're no doubt. They're still well ahead of the Pac-12 as number two. I mean, you look down, you know, like you said, Tarvin, 11 teams, they're deep. They're just not top-heavy like they were last year. So they've, they've slipped a little bit. But when they slip from the top, they've gained it in the back end. But, you know, Tarvin, the one thing I will say about the SEC and that kind of stuff is, you know, I remember a lot of people talking about how Missouri couldn't handle and Texas A&M couldn't handle SEC schedules. And, you know, to see both of them doing this well, it's got to be a surprise for some folks. Well, I'll I'll say this about Missouri real quick. They played a a Georgia team that was decimated with injuries, and, and they beat them. They beat them pretty good. And then they beat a Florida team that had a lot of injuries, too. Let's not forget about Florida. They lost their quarterback, their running back, their best defensive player. So I think if Missouri can beat South Carolina, A&M, Ole Miss, I'll believe in them. But really, Missouri hasn't done enough, in my opinion. But, Trey, going back to Big E's comments on, on the physicality week in and week out, he does have a point there when you start talking about the style of play in the SEC, they're more vulnerable to upsets in conference than other ones just because of that. Because every week it's a matchup of a ranked team usually, and it's a very physical dogfight. And then you slip up on the road at Ole Miss, it can happen. I mean, and that's because of the the physicality of it. Well, I mean, I think there are some teams in the SEC that are clearly, you know, I think that applies to, I'll, I'll, I'll disagree that I think Ole Miss is a physical team, but now there's certain you know you play you play against a, an Alabama and LSU and Auburn, you know those teams are going to bust you in the mouth. There's nothing about it, but you can't convince me that right now you know, Ole Miss is going to do that. But but uh, I mean there, there's no doubt about it. The SEC is the toughest schedule for sure. E. Uh, you put LSU in that top three with Auburn, Alabama as being physical. I believe Ole Miss beat LSU this weekend. Uh, they must have played pretty physical. From what I saw, they they hung in there and went toe to toe with them. So I, I mean, you can't just you. I mean, you can't pick one team and say they're not physical in the SEC because if you're not, you're over. You're not going to win. You're, you're not going to win if you're not physical. And you know it's it, you know that. A lot of these people that say this kind of stuff about the SEC being down, most of them have never played. They don't understand what physical is because they've never stepped foot on a football field. They've never been hit in the chest so hard that you think you're going to die because the wind's been knocked out of you. Uh, you know, they've never suffered a broken hand, a broken foot, a broken ankle, a torn ligament. They don't understand what, what has to go, what has to be put into playing. It's not effort alone. It's effort with heart and desire and the will to win. And that's, you want honestly, the physicality is only part of why the SEC wins. The desire to win is greater in the SEC because the effort is put forth and it's a physical challenge every single week. And that's how you know the effort is greater because if you don't have it, you don't finish the season in, in Atlanta. Uh, you know, you just don't get there unless you've got all those those attributes. And people that say this kind of stuff have never played. They don't know what it's like to be hit. They don't know what it's like to learn blocking schemes. They don't know what it's like to do scrape drills in a hole and hit a running back. It weighs 250, and you're playing linebacker at 225. 
Uh, they don't know what it's like to step into a hole and take on a fullback and still have to tackle the tailback coming through. They don't know what it's like to have to block a 300-pound uh, defensive uh, end that runs a 4-5. They, they, don't, they don't have any concept of, of how this game is played in the South. And you're, you're talking about people from the, the West Coast that write about, oh, the Pac-12, the Pac-12's great. Those guys at 290 don't stand a chance against a good SEC defensive front. They don't stand a chance against a good SEC linebacking court. They don't stand a chance against the offensive line like Alabama put on the field last year, which probably may be the best ever to, to, to suit up and play offensive line in college football. Uh, tailbacks, Gurley, Yeldon, Richardson, uh, Hill. Uh, these, you're talking about guys that are 19, 20 years old that are grown men. You know, they're ready to go to the NFL. They may not be intelligence-wise yet, but they're physically ready to go. It's a it's a battle. Am I wrong, Tarvin? So, I mean, it is. I mean, the the football player, I, I think everywhere these days are ready when they come out of high school to step on the field. That's why you see a lot of freshmen coming in with success. And, and I agree. I, I think until you've been there and played in the shoes, I've never played college football. I don't, I don't understand how physical it is, Trey, but what are your thoughts on that? Well, I mean, I did, here's the thing, Carvin. I mean, Ole Miss didn't win because they were more physical and Let's be honest. I mean, the spread is the spread is not a physical offense. The spread is, I mean, the offenses are running the spread. I mean, A and M is not a physical football team. They're a spread offense and a, and a weak defense. I mean, teams can win not being physical. Um, that's not what makes the SEC so strong. What makes the SEC so great is they have the best players and the best coaches, no matter what systems they're in. Um, and I don't think you need to, to play in college football because there's a lot of people who don't play college football who are pretty smart. Um, you know, I, so I, I, just, I don't buy into that. Hey, Tarver. Yeah. He's trying to say that them offensive line from Ole Miss don't get physical with them defensive linemen from LSU. What happens when you don't block LSU? You get creamed. Exactly. You ain't never you, put you don't win. You don't, you don't win the game. Hey, I, disagree, I disagree with Trey on the fact that Ole Miss, to me, did play physical football last night. They won the line of scrimmage. They caught either LSU was on a on a bad day or Ole Miss. Ole Miss kept fighting them, Trey. And I know Ole Miss runs a spread, and it's not the spread like Auburn runs with a power running game. But in any spread in the SEC or any conference, you have to have a, a physical offensive line in this conference, I mean, and, and I think Ole Miss played physical football last night. I don't know if you got to watch it, but from what I saw, Ole Miss played very physical football. It's physical and being smart, too, though. You can't just, okay, if you're going to, if we're just going to look at the physicality, then all you would do is recruit a bunch of big dudes and say, okay, go out there and block. But there's, there's a combination of both, and it's, it's in every conference. There's just a different level the physicality and the the size of, of SEC defenses are above other conferences, but when it comes down to just the strategy and coaching and, and winning a game, that is, I mean, and this is no offense to anybody, but that can happen to anybody. I mean, come on, it's not just reserved for the SEC. 
it's reserved for good coaches, coaches that come out. And that goes back to my original point, which is we have to we have to be able to step up and say, this is the standard that we have. If you're going to coach in this, in this conference, this is the standard. So these are the things that you need to do to meet this standard. If you don't have um, a depth at, at this position or that position or that position, it should not take you five years to figure out that, hmm, maybe I need to take a look at that. And this is all I'm saying. It's like people, I think people get too much into the, the conference thing and just, just look at football. It's like there's either a good coach or a bad coach. There's a coach that's mediocre that's going to be good. But it's all about the game of football. And you've got great coaches that didn't come out of the SEC. You've got great coaches, you know, that did. But it all boils down to who, who's smart, who can do it, and who can lead this team there. So when I look at certain coaches, if Nick Saban was coaching in the Big 12, guess what? I still say that he was the best coach because he's proven it. Everett, I have a question from the chat room for you. Which defensive end in the SEC weighs 300 pounds? Well, I mean, I don't know the weights of every defensive end, but I'm pretty sure Clowney's pretty close. Uh, I don't know. I don't know what he weighs. He's 285. That's as big as most of Oregon's offensive linemen. Uh, <laughs> That's true. And, and he, He's as fast as most of the most of the skill people on the field. So I mean, you know, he's probably what four six, four five, four six. Yeah, uh, he's two hundred sixty-seven pounds, by the way. Okay. Six six two sixty-seven. Okay, six six two sixty-seven, and runs a four five four six. So I mean, how many of those offensive linemen you think are fast enough to keep up with him? And when they do catch him, how many of them are strong enough to block? I might have been exaggerating. Yeah, you exaggerate a little bit, but we got your point. And and the thing is, is, is people don't realize, and and I don't know, Trey, Oregon and the SEC, how many games do they win? Over 12 games. At least 10, but, you know, I, I'll say this, Tarvin. I, I just want to <laughs> say to Sonia that, uh, Sonia, I hear you loud and clear. Uh, I know you didn't play football, but I do value your opinion. And I know that some people in the chat room were saying that, you know, we shouldn't. Sonia, Sonia, Sonia played football. Don't you don't? I know she played high school, high school football. Now I actually did. I played flag football, and I used to play it in a, a co-ed amateur league when I was younger. So yes, I have played football. I just hadn't worn a college uniform. But go ahead. All right, I think you wear right, a college yeah. jersey every weekend, Sonia. Huh? I think you wear a college football uniform every every weekend. I, I, do, <laughs> I do, Bama, right? <laughs> but go ahead. All what right, were you guys. saying, Trey? All right, guys, let's wrap it up. Big E, any final thoughts on this subject before we go? Nah, I'm done. You done? Roll Tide, Big E. Do what? Roll Tide. Yes, Roll Tide always. <laughs> we got to get ready for the Vols next week. All right, we'll, we'll be okay. I think so, too. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys, well, thanks a lot for joining us. Uh, Big E and Sonia, great conversation. We have Jason Humphrey on the line. Jason, thanks for the wait, buddy. How's everything going? Hey, guys. So you guys think that we got toothpicks here in Oregon and the whatnot. You do. You do. You what? have a great football team. 
but they are a little undersized. Undersized? Well, our best D lineman weighs over 300 pounds. Hold on, now. We, get, we got big boys, all men, not as big as the SEC. And let me just put it out there SEC is the best conference. Okay. You'll get conference upsets more than non-conference because conference opponents you see every year. You have tape on them. And, yeah, so. Ogan, they got some big boys. Yes, I believe you got to have good lines, good offense and defensive line. It's about not making the mistake and whatnot. And we did a play Auburn and only lost by three points, and we held our own against Auburn, so, yeah. Yeah, I mean, Oregon Ducks are a good football team. I, I don't know what their record would be, but they're in the Pac-12 right now, and Jason, they look real good, but I need your I need your thoughts real quick on something in the Pac-12. Your defensive uh, coordinator okay. calls out calls out Mike Leach, the coach for Washington State last night. He was very upset that Mike Leach was throwing the ball down 38 points. Tell us about that story. Why would a coach be upset? Shouldn't Washington State ball to try to win? Well, yeah, um, um, I don't know. I, I watched the, the news conference of Nick Ariari, and it's really hard to explain, but I I think, one, he wanted to say, hey, we're not that bad in the past covers, and number two, Huh. I don't know. It's really hard to explain. And Senate said that, and I think we'll see him apologize throughout the week. But it's I don't know. I I think he had an issue with um, Washington State passing with like 20 seconds to go. So yeah. All right. Well, well, Jason, man, thanks for the feedback and everything. Trey, we got a couple games left to go through real quick before we get out of here. Number two game of the night, UCLA Stanford. But 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 Trey, before we go on about that, what do you think about Oregon's coach coming out and taking shots at Mike Leach? All he was doing is running his offense and trying to score some points and get some yards. And do you see anything wrong with him trying to score? No. And one of the comments that I was reading up on it was he was saying that. He was also mad that he left their starters in um, longer than Oregon did. And I don't have a problem with that either, Carmen. I mean, Washington State is trying to get better. And, you know, there's no way to get better than real game action. And, you know, the starters for Washington State need to improve. So, um, you know, that's how you get better for next season and the next week. So, you know, if Leach left his guys in longer, it's because he thought they needed more work to get done. Um, and, you know, if, if Oregon is mad about it, they would you know, stop them because Oregon didn't stop themselves from, you know, running up 62 points. So, you know, I think that's a silly comment from a defensive coordinator. Both teams are playing hard, and that's all you can ask for. Yeah, you're right, Trey. It's just a silly comment. Who are you to tell a coach that's losing by 38 points how to play their game? Look, you, you're beating them. I, I understand that Mike Leach was up 38 with his starters in throwing the football. All day long, I would understand that, Trey. That wouldn't be the issue. But there's a big issue when your defensive coach comes out and makes a mockery of your team. I mean, this is if I'm the head coach, I'm really going to discipline this coach right here. I'm, I really am for coming out in the media and saying this. What it makes it look like is he's so insecure 
that people are going to look at stats instead of watch his game. And he is on the pack on the West Coast, so a lot of people do look at stats. But Trey, he was more concerned with the yardage his team was giving up passing than, than just win the football game. I mean, I think that's Bush League. I think we have a little problem here. Trey, you're having some phone issues, buddy. Yeah, I got, I got I knocked myself off there. Uh, sorry. <laughs> but, you know, in this game, Stanford Stanford did what they were supposed to do. Uh, they were favored in the game. They beat UCLA. Uh, any thoughts on the Stanford-UCLA game? Well, I mean, I think part of it, you have to be impressed with Stanford because, I mean, they came out rebounded against the UCLA team, who's very good. And I'll tell you two things that, that, that interest me in this game. Was One was you and I talked about Hundley being a very, very high post-scout uh, you know, quarterback who could go very high. And one of the things I noticed from UCLA's offense was the use of so many screens and check-down passes versus you know, letting this kid sort of throw down the field. And I wonder, Tarvin, if you think that uh, – if this kid is actually an NFL talent or if we're just seeing um, a lot of short completions and assuming something because the fans really frustrated that offense. I think part of the reason was they weren't allowing this kid to throw on field. And Trey, that's the thing. I don't know anymore. You know, before I, I, I felt very good about Hunley, but, but you're right. I mean, Stanford just shut UCLA down. The game was never in question. Never in doubt. It just makes me wonder, is he – he's just a sophomore, though. Let's keep in mind, he's just a sophomore. But hopefully they can use that as a as a tool, a teaching tool, to, to show this kid what he's going to have to do to beat teams that can play great defense like Stanford can. But I don't know. I'm, I'm up in the air with him now. I just want to see how he bounces back. But that's a good point you brought up. Uh, Stanford, are they – are they back in the title hunt by any chance, or are they done just hoping to make a BCS bowl? Well, I, I don't think they're in the title hunt yet, and that's because there's too many teams that are undefeated ahead of them. And, you know, right now, if you're a one-loss team, uh, you're not going to get in right now, and that's just the way it is. Now, Stanford can hope that, you know, college football, you know, continues being anarchy and all these teams keep losing, then they sure they have a shot to get in if they beat Oregon. But they have to take care of business first. And right now, Tarvin, I'm not sure that I see them beating Oregon. Uh, so we'll, we'll see. Well, Trey, before we move on to the Florida State game, Coach Lett is on the phone with us, and I'm sure he's excited. Coach, how you doing, sir? Doing real good, doing real good. How you guys doing tonight? Oh, doing good. Thanks for joining us. Big win yesterday against South Carolina. How does it feel um, to beat a top-ranked team like South Carolina in your own backyard. I'm sure the fans really enjoyed that one. Our atmosphere was great uh, yesterday for a noon game. It was, the place was still rocking. Uh, it, was, it was great. It was uh, a sigh of relief, if you will. If you will. But we, had a, we had a great game plan coming in. We, had a, we felt we had a decent chance to uh, still a big three. And uh, everything lined up, and we got one. And it, it was great. And we're so happy for Ball Nation. Ball Nation has been waiting for this for the last four or five years, and uh, we're able. We're glad we're able to deliver it to them. Well, you know, we talked. To, we talked to you after the Georgia game, and, and 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 we all felt that it was some momentum. Even though you lost the game, you carried a lot of momentum into that bye week. 
And, Coach, I really saw a, a better coach team yesterday. I mean, the, the extra week off, tell us about that and how it affected yesterday's outcome. The bye week was great. It could have come at a better time. We used it to uh, get some guys healthy. We uh, developed our freshmen who were playing a lot more. We developed them a little bit more with a little fine-tuning details, a little more fundamentals, which they used to carry over to the game against South Carolina. So that extra week of preparation really helped. I mean, it really helped. gave uh, the players a chance to rest and gave the coaches extra week just to study South Carolina and uh, figure out a tendency here and a tendency there. So the bye week could not come at a better time. So what are the what are you guys doing now with a with a huge win over South Carolina? How are you? What message are you sending heading to number one ranked Alabama? I mean, I, I do see an upset could come, Coach. I mean, if you play fundamentally sound like you did against South Carolina and the, and you play well, you could pull off a big win. What are you telling your players? How, how long are you going to let them celebrate? Oh, celebration's over. Uh, <laughs> we already, especially when you go when you go into Tuscaloosa, you got to get your mind right right away. And uh, we letting the players know we we left. Uh, we had a few mistakes yesterday. Uh, some mistakes that really hurt you against a team like Alabama. And if we want any chance to win this game, we got to play uh, our most fundamentally sound game, uh, almost flawless. And uh, we got can't repeat some of the same mistakes we had uh, yesterday. We had a couple holding penalties, uh, two offsides. We had 15 missed tackles in the secondary, or actually on the defense. Things like that you just can't do when you want, when you go against the number one team in the country. So we just got to uh, keep developing these fundamentals and. Every week we see these freshmen getting better and better and better. It's, it's a great thing to see these young, young kids getting developed. They're just getting better each week. So it's going to be exciting, but we can't celebrate uh, any longer. We really got to get our mind right for uh, the number one team in the country because they're well-coached, very deep, extremely talented. I mean, it's Alabama. Yeah, Trey's on the phone with us, the co-host of this show. Trey, it's yours. Hey, Coach Life, congratulations on the big win, Coach. Thank you, thank you. Hey, Coach, let me – I got a couple of questions. My first one is, and, and I, you know, I'm watching this as an outsider, and I just see this kid north, and I and I wonder, you know, how – I mean, what I'm seeing looks phenomenal, like he's progressing so much each week. Uh, I mean, what are you seeing from this guy? I mean, I mean he looks like he's putting in a lot of work, uh, and these receivers are getting so much better. Well, I appreciate that with me being uh, the assistant receiver coach. That's, that's music to our ears. But Marquez is putting a lot of time in. He's really taking the coaching. Uh, he's still raw as far as uh, wide receiver-wise. He played quarterback slash wildcat in high school. So he hasn't played a lot of receiver. He's just a naturally athletic big kid. I mean, he's 6'4", 218 pounds. Uh, but he loves football. He's taking coaching every single day. He has a lot of stuff he needs to clean up to be, uh, become a wide receiver. A, good, a really good wide receiver. Good thing about it is he can run fast and he can catch. But at the end of the day, you throw the ball up to him, he can make a play for you. Now we clean all all that up. He's going to be a pretty good player for us. And uh, he's the first one in the film room every day. He's already uh, watched the film of South Carolina before the coaches even had a chance to grade it because we had recruits in this past week and yesterday and this morning. So we didn't get a chance to grade to this afternoon. He's already graded himself and gave his grades to Cozy, so it's it's pretty it's pretty uh, fun to watch him. I see how hungry he is, and each week 
the more plays he makes, the hungry he gets, which is great. But that's what you want. Well, Coach, I think that's what uh, you want. Yeah, absolutely. I I totally agree with you, Coach. Let me ask you this. I know you can't comment on, you know, recruits, you know, just yet. But one of the things that I was noticing on Twitter was a lot of buzz from a lot of people who were looking at Tennessee. You guys had recruits in. Just in general, Coach, when you have a big win like that within a big crowd, uh, how nice is it to go to go to somebody you're looking at and saying, hey, man, you can be part of this? Yeah. I mean, Georgia weekend and this weekend, I mean, you can't manufacture a better atmosphere. I mean, you, you couldn't write a script the way that the last two home games we had played out. And, like, we, we, we tell after what just happened the last two weeks, if you don't want to come to Ball Nation and play in front of 105,000 on uh, CBS Sports or ESPN, I mean, I don't know. We don't know what else to do for you. Maybe Tennessee's another place for you because this best stadium in the country, best fans, and we, we laid it out there on the line. It's, it's not even coach talking. It's not recruiting talking. You saw it with your own eyes. These recruits saw it with their own eyes. And it was just a great atmosphere. To, uh, it, it was nuts. The locker room was nuts. It was, it was just a crazy atmosphere. And I'm glad the recruits got to see it. Couldn't, couldn't ask for anything better. Cool. And Coach, let me ask you this for just the, the normal fan. Sorry, Carvin. Is, you know, you're talking about breaking down tape before you move on to the next game. Is how, how long does that process last before you're moving on to watching Alabama tape? Uh, how many days do you spend in the film room watching the game before? Uh, one day. We, we'll spend, we spend all day today. So as soon as the recruits left, early lunchtime, we spent the whole afternoon watching it as a position, coaches, and then we come together as an offensive staff, defense staff comes together, and then we do our, our due diligence, and then we meet together as a, as a whole full staff with Coach Jones, and he just says, what can we do better, what do we do great, who played extremely well? Who needs this? Who needs that? So it's about an eight to ten hour process, but you only spend one day on it because the more time you spend on that, the less time you get to spend on your next opponent. So you try to put that to bed as quick as possible. So, but we spend pretty much all day Sunday uh, wrapping up the, the previous game, the Sunday evening, the Sunday night. We head on uh, to the pre to, to the next opponent. Well, Coach, you're a you're a big college football fan. I know you are. You're a coach, but you're a college football fan. And I don't. You didn't get to hear our previous discussion. But as a coach and as a fan, you look at the SEC, the conference you play in, and you you hear a lot of chatter this weekend that the the conference is down this year. And and I totally disagree with that. Tell us what you when you look at the SEC conference as a whole. What do you see uh, strength wise? I, I completely it's uh the complete opposite. I think it's it's more up than it's ever been. It's, the parity is crazy now. You have you had a few schools that were typically on the bottom. Now everybody's good. Ole Miss <laughs> is good. They got some great talent. LSU is just always LSU. Uh Vanderbilt turn around and beat Georgia. And Georgia's Georgia. Florida's Florida. I mean, every from from the top to bottom, each week is a big time game. And uh for anybody to think that the SEC is down, they got to really look at the picture and see you got 13 teams that could just flat out play ball each week. You cannot let your hair down no any Saturday in the SEC, and that's the great thing about our conference because the same guys that you're playing with on Saturday, the same guys you've been playing against on Sunday, and that's what makes the SEC the best conference in all of college football. What do you think about the uh, Texas A&M Auburn game? Auburn a two touchdown underdog went on the road 
Auburn is one of your opponents in two weeks. Uh, what do you think about the Auburn Tigers this year? Oh, man, they 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 really turned that program around real quick, and it, it shows how well you recruit, how fast you can turn the program around. they got a great young kid at quarterback who they uh, got from junior college, so they're doing uh, – they're doing pretty good for them to go and uh, beat Texas A&M. So it's a lot about uh, that coaching staff and the players that uh, how fast they turn it around. And that's that's another case in point on, on the SEC. You had a, a, a two-win team last year. Now turn around and be one of the top teams in the country. So the SEC is is a beast. And our schedule, man, <laughs> oh wow, it's for Alabama, yeah. then go and turn around and play uh, Missouri, then Auburn. Unbelievable. Well, well, Coach, the reason I ask you about Auburn because they're the team that I, I compare you guys to when I look at it is you have a new coaching staff, a, a good recruiting class comes in, and the difference between Auburn and Tennessee right now is really Auburn has a luxury of not playing that brutal schedule earlier on, but I see the same progression mm-hmm. from Auburn as I do Tennessee, and you got to let your players know after that big win and what they're seeing for themselves watching football in the SEC that, it's, Tennessee's not going to be where they are now for long. Every week you guys are getting better, and the, and the future looks very bright for you guys right now. Yes, and the guys are, are believing. I think that Georgia game, even though it hurt, it put belief back in our players. I think they lost a little bit of belief over the last couple of years, especially the older guys. And it, put, it put some belief back in these guys. If you play football the right way, fundamentally sound, you always have a chance. And uh, it opened our eyes in Georgia, and we went into South Carolina. Not hoping for, hoping for a win, but really believing that if we took care of business, we would walk out of there with a win. And it was great that uh, that happened that way. And these guys are believing more and more every day. And, uh, we always say belief is a powerful thing. It is. And, Coach, congratulations again. Thanks for joining us. And, and you have a lot of supporters on this show and, and the fans here turning into ball fans. So thanks. Tell everybody on the team, congratulations, and and good luck next week heading into Tuscaloosa. All right. Thank you, fellas, and go balls. All right. Go balls. Trey, I'm very impressed with with what they're doing in Tennessee, man. We've said it over and over again, but we're not just saying it. Tennessee's showing it on the field. Well, yeah, we we both thought they were going to beat somebody this year who was ranked pretty high, and, you know, number 11, South Carolina happened to be that team, and, you know, they may not be done yet, Tarvin, so we'll have to see. I mean, uh, I still think that line against Alabama is way too high. So uh, I think Coach Lutt and those guys, I am seeing progression, especially on on offense. They're already pretty good on defense. At least they're improving. So uh, Tennessee, make it some noise, Tarvin. Yeah, and one of the reasons that line is high is because of the Tennessee defense. I mean, throw offense out of the window right now and stuff. I mean, they're they're getting a lot better, but the Tennessee defense is good enough to keep that game competitive. 28 points, I'm using that as bulletin board material. This week, if I'm Coach Jones saying, hey, you went in and took care of a top-ranked South Carolina team, and now you're only a 28-point underdog to Alabama. This is how much they think of you. So, Trey, I use it as bulletin board material. And now the game that everybody's been waiting for, Florida State, you know, I heard a lot of people, you know, picking Clemson, Trey, in this game. And some of the media was picking Florida State, though. But you had to wonder, with Florida State being a three-point favorite on the road against a number three-ranked team when they're the five-ranked team, there was a mismatch somewhere. And, and boy, was there a mismatch. Florida State, 
looked apart last night. They look like a, a national contender, and I think that win like that's why they're the number two team in the BCS right now. Congratulations, Trey, and all the Florida State fans out there. Yeah, I mean, what you have to be concerned with, I mean, when you're talking about playing Florida State now and you're talking about the mismatch was, you know, the wide receivers at Florida State are probably the most talented group that they've had in probably about 12 or 13 years, Tarvin. Um, obviously, Winston is playing um, amazing football, but he's, he's getting a lot of a lot of help from his receivers. He's at good running backs, and Florida State is finally starting to put it together. You know, Tarvin, the one you know the one question we have for Florida State is they do this kind of stuff every year. They beat you know Clemson last year, and then they went on the road and lost to NC State. So. You know, Cam Jimbo Fisher, one of his big criticisms has always been, you know, keeping the team focused. Uh, i got to tell you, though, Tarvin, I think Jeremy Pruitt from Alabama has really changed the culture there. Yeah, Pruitt's friends with one of my best friends, Shane, and and he he just said, look, off the record, I mean, we're the better football team here, and, and they showed it. Florida State took care of business. And, and Trey, what I want to ask in this game, I mean – why did Taj Boyd look like a deer in headlights to you? This is a fifth-year senior playing in his biggest game of his career. I mean, is Florida State that good, or did Taj Boyd just couldn't handle the pressure maybe? Well, I think the people who think Taj Boyd can't handle the pressure, I mean, he's handled the pressure in some pretty big stages before. I think that this zone blitzing scheme that Pruitt brought from Alabama, and I, there's probably every Alabama fan can attest to you know, how, you know, four guys on a defensive line can get so much pressure and cause so much havoc on our quarterback saw that and what Jeremy Pruitt has done, and he brought that thing down from Alabama. And when I saw those four guys causing that much pressure, Tarvin, I did think about some of those games from Alabama when I just could not figure out how they couldn't block four guys. And I was like, how are they doing this? And they were bringing zone blitzes from all over the place and all kinds of downs. And that's exactly what Nick Saban does with the, you know, he trusts the secondary. And you're seeing Jeremy, Jeremy Pruitt bring that down. I think that's the difference, Tarvin. I really have seen a difference in how they're coached defensively. Everybody on the defense thinks they can make a big play because that's what kind of defense Jeremy Pruitt's running, a play where, where you know, you have Joyner, a defensive back, who's blitzing, you know, multiple times and getting sacked from Taj Boyd. You know, that's the kind of play that Jeremy Pruitt brought down from Alabama and the schemes, and it is, it is, I think, 180 degrees better than we had in years past. Wasn't the first play of that game a fumble by Taj Boyd and company? Yeah, it was very, very soon, yeah. Yeah, but the thing is, look, I have a problem with the coaching staff of Clemson in this game. Um, you have to recognize that the strength of Florida State is that secondary, really. And Clemson's offense, is a pass-based spread offense. They don't run the ball very well or physical or try to open up the passing game. I just thought Clemson should have ran the ball more. I think they could have been a lot more successful. You have four turnovers. You're not going to be that successful. But let me tell you a stat here that stood out to me. I mean, eight for 12 on third down conversions was Florida State. You're not going to beat a top-ranked team if they're completing, what is that, uh, what is that, four to 67% on third down, and you're five for 15. Trey, that's that's not very good right there. I, I have a big problem with Clemson defense on there on third down, but I also have a problem with the game plan. Dabo Sweeney, I mean, he celebrates these wins all the time like they're national championships. I mean, what is Dabo Sweeney doing this morning? <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, Dabo Sweeney, I think, got out coached as well, but 
you know, there's no doubt about him. And there's been a lot of people who thought Dabo Sweeney was not a very good coach, but he's like one of those great recruiters. I mean, he's for sure a great recruiter, but you know, he won he won a big game last year, Tarvin, but he still hasn't shown that he can win a lot of big games. No, and look, Dabo Sweeney, this is the same coach that gave up 70-something points to West Virginia in the Orange Bowl. I mean, he did beat a 3-9 and nine Auburn team last year. Hats off to him for that. He beat LSU at the end of the season. He opened up with Georgia, which Georgia was at full strength for the most part. That was a big win for him. But what is it about Dabo? If you're a recruit out there and you watched that game last night, are you fired up to go to Clemson right now? Or are you wanting to go to Florida State? where, you know, they actually can play defense and score. Well, I mean, this will give you your answer, Carmen. The number one uh, prospect in the state of South Carolina, who's a junior, uh, tweeted that he was seriously now considering Florida State. He had an early offer from Florida State. They were not on his board. In fact, he was uh, leaning, a lot of people thought he was leaning heavily towards Clemson. Uh, And he, he, you know, he said he was now reconsidering his Clemson. So that should tell you something about what these guys think. Yeah, I mean, recruiting's huge, and, and, you know, like we talked about with Auburn, Florida State, and all them, how are they going to play on the field? And if you can have success on the football field like they're doing, you're going to recruit. Florida State's back, guys. Winston is a redshirt freshman. He's going to play one more year, Trey. You have him for one more season. Can you find another quarterback out there that can step in? Because I don't know many teams that can lose their quarterback to the first round of the NFL draft and get better on offense. Can Florida State pull another quarterback like this? Well, the kid behind Winston, I, I'm just telling you, Tarvin, he's pretty good. It's Jacob Coker, who almost beat Winston for the starting job. So that should tell you, um, how, you know, how good Coker is. Is it, is it? You know, Winston didn't win the starting job until the last week of the of the pre of the preseason. So, you know, if Coker stays around, and that's where people are talking about how they can't believe he hasn't he hasn't transferred yet. But if he stays around, uh, he'll be a good senior quarterback. Yeah, but Florida State, and I know we talked earlier, Trey, and and you were worried about Jimbo Fisher and Florida State. They seem, when they win a big game like this, can they keep that that intensity, that focus? And in your opinion right now, is this Florida State different, team different than years in the past? Because I think it is. I think Winston is a quarterback that's not going to let them lose focus. No, I mean, he seems definitely like there's a culture change at Florida State, Tarvin, so I think you're right. And Paul says Winston doesn't practice well. Trey, what do you say about practice? What do you always say about practice? (laughs) Not not a game, Tarvin, but practice? It's another game. Cam Newton looked like crap in practice, too, I, I hear, but when those lights come on, and I'll never forget seeing that last night in pregame when they got they were able to go inside the locker room and it looked like some of the Florida State team was uptight a little bit and Winston just just loosened them, man. He was in there having some fun. And this is a freshman, a red shirt freshman tray, on the road against a number three team in the country in the biggest game of his career. He wasn't sitting over there in the corner, his knees shaking, thinking about it. He was having fun and it showed on the field. Has that what can rattle Winston? What what do you think could rattle Winston? Because I think he's the Heisman Trophy winner, man, right now. Well, I think you have a hard time not putting him up at least, you know, in your top three. Um, but, you know, we'll see. I mean, you know, the Miami game will be another test. But, I mean, if there's a good chance they'll be uh, a top five, top seven team. We'll see how far they get up by in two weeks. And then, of course, the Florida rivalry is always intense. And that we'll see if Florida can solve some things. But Florida's got a pretty good defense. And I saw a lot of people – 
uh, tweeting and during the game that Florida's defense would shake him. So we'll see. Well, Trey, in closing tonight, real quick, we only got a couple minutes left. Uh, your thoughts on some of these these flagrant hits last night, really, in the games. You had Georgia game, Florida game, and which other one was it where players were ejected? Three SEC games, three players ejected for, you know, uh, hitting these receivers, defenseless players. Do you agree or disagree with with some of these calls? I don't I don't like the ejections, Trey. I think I think some, two of those deserve to be brought back into the game, but they weren't overturned. Why were they not overturned yesterday when every other week we see them being overturned after instant replay? Yeah, especially the one in the Georgia game. I think that's the one that people can't even fathom because, I mean, it was probably not even a penalty at all. Uh, there was also one in the Clemson game. I know a lot of SEC fans, you know, don't didn't watch that one, but it was the one that was actually very, very playbook or, excuse me, rule book um, targeting in the Clemson game on Winston. Uh, the, I'll tell you, I, I think the one of the ones that you're talking about, I would say was questionable. There's only one that I saw in the SEC that I thought was, was what the rule book talked about. But I, I can't fathom how the Georgia player got ejected, Tarvin. I, I, I didn't see it. <laughs> well, I mean, especially I understand your flag or whatever, but after looking at that on replay, that was probably the worst call I saw the entire weekend, period, was that. And I just don't get it how you, you're ejecting these players. And, Trey, you have to remember, not only are you hurting the team now, but they have to miss the – if it's in the second half, they have to miss the first half of the next game. So that can cause some problems. But real quick, Grambling forfeited their game yesterday, Trey. They're tired of being treated. They're try, tired of living unhealthy. They're tired of riding the bus for 16 hours. Give us your thought on Grambling. Was it, was it right for the players to really strike? Um, and do they have the right to do that, in your opinion? Man, nobody should have mold in their showers, man. That's all I'm saying. Well, I do, man. I shower every day. And mold? Well, come on, man. Clear your shower. <laughs> I'm joking. But, I mean, come on. Can't they clean it, for God's sake? I mean, here's the deal. You're causing money to a lot of play- or fans that travel to come see you, and they spend money for tickets. You've got a scholarship to play at a school. I mean, if you have a moldy shower, why can't you go in there and clean it? But the problem I see is these guys win some more games, Trey. They'll be treated like winners. Right now they're riding the buses because it's like the movie Major League. When the Indians sucked, they were on that bus, and then they got upgraded to the worst plane you ever saw. But when they got good, they could fly in class again. But, I mean, is that the reason? Grambling sucks, and that's why they're getting treated like this? I'm tired of this nickel and dime. <laughs> no, yeah. I, yeah, I wish I had my major league. I wish I had my major league clip right now when they was in the hot tub. They were. It was in the cold <laughs> tub. Actually, they were trying to crank it up. Uh, but I, I think winning football games brings money into your program, and I think that's where Grambling is right now. What do you think about the firing of Doug Williams, the coach of Grambling? Well, I thought that was a mistake. I mean, if you can get a guy with that kind of credentials at Grambling, I mean. I mean, you can recruit the kind of players that Grambling wants by his name alone. So, you know, I don't think, I mean, who do they really think they can get? You know, when I was in school, man, I walked 16 miles to play a game, right? <laughs> and, and, you, and you showered in mold. I showered in mold. I ate mold, baby, just to get on the field like Big E did in there, man. Big E, man, he's a baller, Trey. I don't know what you thought about Big E tonight, but, but he brought us some entertainment and some uh, – I thought it was funny when Paul talked about his 300-pound defensive ends where they were. But uh, 
I haven't seen any 300-pound defensive ends in a while. <laughs> I don't think anybody has, Thomas. <laughs> yeah, but, hey, Wednesday night, I know people think that, okay, this past weekend was too good to be true. Next weekend will be uh, a yawn, yawn fest. Trey, I'll be on vacation next week, and uh, we'll see about where we're going to do the show at and everything. But is it possible that we could have another crazy weekend? Just when you think that all the upsets are over, here they come again. Is next weekend going to be a snooze fest, or is it going to be a taste of what we got today or yesterday? Well, uh, I guess my odds are this is going to be a snooze fest, but, I mean, Tarvin, let's be honest. I mean, what if Tennessee and NC State shock the world? I mean, is it impossible? No, but could you imagine what happens in the BCS if those two teams went down? I mean, I have to get Sonya on here if that happens, man. Tennessee goes down, let her talk to, to Coach Lett. There could be some family tension in that, you know, going in with that. But just looking over the games, I don't see any huge games. I mean, you look at it, you have uh, South Carolina, Missouri, Tennessee, Alabama, Oregon, UCLA is a good game. That'll probably be one of the top games, USC against Utah. Betray college football next week, but there's somebody somewhere going to lose. I don't know where it is yet, but that's why we have a few days to get ready for it. I'm sure you're going to come up with some doozies for us to pick, and we'll be talking Major League Baseball, the World Series, NFL, all the current events. But, everybody, thank you so much for coming tonight and joining us. Trey, it's been an eventful show. We ran over a little bit, and thanks for, for sticking with us. Everybody in the chat room, everybody call in if you, and we'll see you Wednesday night at 9 p.m. Eastern. Thank you.